0: You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network.
1: Everybody's got a price system.
0: What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo. We're back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, I'm joined by the Hall of Famer himself. He's still the reigning million dollar champion. It's Ted DiBiase. Ted, what's going on, man?
2: Uh, not a whole lot. You know, uh, I'm feeling pretty good today. Might say I feel like a million bucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear it, brother. And, uh, you know, I feel like a million bucks. That doesn't mean I have it.
0: You know, sometimes it's better to feel that way than to have it. Uh, Yeah, yeah, that's true, too. That being said, I don't think I would turn down a million bucks. But, uh, man, we've got something really fun going on this week. You know, everybody's really enjoyed our look back to 1988, uh, 35 years ago in your time in the WWF. And we're continuing the story this week. Uh, You know, last time we talked about it, it was all about you trying to make Hercules your personal slave. And then you're the uncelebrated king of the ring. Um, so, man, I am I am thrilled to be continuing this story today. Uh, before we get started, I just want to let you all know to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, Ted and I want this podcast to continue to grow, and YouTube is a huge element of that. Subscribe now at YouTube.com/slash/at/Everybody's Got a Pod. We deliver YouTube exclusive videos every single Monday, which are stories you will not hear on the podcast. And we've also got a giveaway going on until December first, when we'll name two winners. Not only do I have Ted, I, even, I haven't even told you this yet. Uh, not only do we have Ted's new elite action figure, oh, wow, which was picked up at Target, and I'm going to be shipping it to Ted, but I was just at Walmart again recently, and look at what I found. Another one of these guys. So, we're Are gonna, you, I mean, is that is that a new one? Uh, the, yeah, they're both fairly new. I think both of them came out this year. You know,
2: so, wow. So we're going to be giving them away, man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Thanks, Vince. Keep them coming. (laughs) Absolutely.
0: I mean, more stuff for your gimmick table, more stuff for your fans to get to take home, uh, and – We're going to pick two lucky winners to take those home. Go over there right now to youtube.com forward slash at everybody's got a pod and subscribe today. Hit that notifications bell to get extra points and enjoy hours and hours of content that we've got over there right now. So Ted, let's start out with some of the stuff that's going on in the WWF at this time. Uh, they make a huge addition with the arrival of arn Anderson and Tully Blanchard as the brainbusters two guys you had come to know pretty well in years prior what did you think of them making their way here onto the biggest stage in wrestling
2: I thought it was great I mean you know uh, of course arn and I have been friends for a long time and, and my relationship with Tully goes all the way back to I mean we played we played football together at West Texas State but uh yeah uh you know Tully and Arn, you know I mean in the ring oh my gosh you know they 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 definitely had it you know yep. and arn picked it up quick they had made a huge name for themselves in JCP.
0: Uh, and Arn has told the story that the first time they made an appearance, he came out and they were putting up the four fingers to get a big, re- big reaction from the crowd. But when they came back through the curtain, it was made very clear that they should no longer reference being the horseman. I don't know. Like, whenever I look at something like that and I see, like, okay, it's these guys, especially in those days, the territories were still alive. So guys would come in from the territories and vince wanted to own their character however like some guys had had incredible success before getting there and it's like i don't know if it's me it's it's why not use this this gimmick that's gotten over like hey look why can't they be just the horsemen here in the wwf and you use that to your advantage uh so ted i'm curious what's your opinion on that is that the right way to do business or should vince have leaned into the whole horseman thing with them
2: oh gosh you know um Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't think that... Uh, I but Again, I mean, I'm not Vince McMahon. I don't have the mentality of Vince McMahon. But personally, I think that would have worked. But, hey, you know, I'm not... Again, I'm not Vince. And, and again, I think you're right in terms of, you know, Vince didn't own the Four Horsemen. Mm. And maybe that's why he didn't want anybody continuing to uh, wave the flag, so to speak. Another thing that's going
0: on here in the WWF at this time that I'd love to get your take on is pretty much the hottest storyline of this era. Jake's wife, Cheryl, has come into the company to add some drama to his rivalry with Rick Rude. And this storyline just goes through the roof when Rude starts airbrushing Cheryl's face onto his tights and Jake would uh, respond night after night by ripping the tights off of Rick Rude uh, to a huge reaction. So, uh, Ted, I know you and Jake are buddies. Did you spend a lot of time with Cheryl over the years? Uh, you
2: know, I mean, I I was there uh, in Georgia when he, that's where he met her. He met her in Atlanta. Yeah. That's where she's, she's from. And, and, and so, yeah, when, you know, when they first started dating, I was right there. So I've known Cheryl from the beginning. And of course, you know, they, they also, they parted ways uh, for a while. And it just tickles me that they're back together. I think it's great. Incredible. It really is. And, uh, again, Jake, you know, Jake's had a hard life. I mean, you know, I mean, he, Uh, I, I mean, I, I think Jake has done incredibly well for having to overcome a a lot of the personal issues he had in his life.
0: Incredible. I I mean, really, it's a a guy like that. You don't really expect a a success story, uh, from somebody who who goes through what Jake went through in life. Uh, but man, he's, he came out on the other side and that speaks to his toughness of character.
2: Absolutely. Uh, man. And, uh. And yeah, we've, yeah, we've been friends for a long time. And, uh, and it's like a lot of people say, well, you know, like, you know, who is your greatest match with, or who did you like to wrestle with the most? And, and I, and I guess like, I, I can, I tell everybody this, I said, there's, it's almost an impossible question to answer when you realize how many times we wrestled. I mean, it's just like we didn't have a football game once a week. We wrestled every night and, you know, and all these people. But at the top of the list is, is or near the top of the list anyways, Jake, because we, uh, in terms of the psychology of pro wrestling, we come from the same background. And so it was, it was easy for us to gel man
0: uh, the chemistry between the two of you was always very very evident the second you two stepped into the ring together always fun to watch and uh, folks if you are unfamiliar with it we did an episode of the snake pit where Jake was at or where Ted was a guest with with Jake and I on that podcast and they talked about their rivalry so go into the archives of the snake pit podcast you can listen to those two in real time talk about working together which is an yeah. awesome experience. Um, so Ted, we, we always hear as fans that wrestling is like a pirate ship back in those days. And one of the Cardinal rules was to keep your wife off of the pirate ship. Uh, what did you make of Jake allowing
2: Cheryl to be brought into the company? Well, I mean, uh, she she was, I mean, not just brought into the company, but, but was like going to be his valet, so to speak. Right. Yep. And, um, uh, it's kind of like I, you know, <laughs> if the if it was ever a time where you should, you know say okay, we we can all, we, we can allow it under those circumstances, because uh, if she's part of the show, uh, you know, I
0: get it um so uh, fun hypothetical here ted uh is there ever a circumstance under which you would allow your wife to be involved in a storyline with the wwf when you were working there Uh,
2: probably not i mean well, I don't think that I would, but I say that because I know she would. <laughs> I mean, she had no interest. I mean, she, I mean, she watched me and she told me, she goes, you know, I know why, I know why you're one of the top guys after watching you. And, and, uh, and, and she appreciated that, but, but never had any, any desire to be a part of the show.
0: That's pretty awesome. Kudos from the wife. Yeah, and uh, last question about this rivalry with Rick Rude, and then we can move on. Uh, like I said, he was having Cheryl's face painted onto his tights, uh, and you know, according to Jake, he was like, "I didn't really like it." He was like, "You know, it—it's just—it's one of those things that just happened. It was done, and then you know, all of a sudden, I'm in a storyline with it." But uh, what do you think? Is it taking things too far, or good heat, in your
2: opinion? Well, you know, it's—it depends if—if if everybody's. It's kind of like this. If Rick Rude just did that and on his own and never asked Jake about it, then I would say that's out of line. Mm -hmm. But if he, if they discuss it and, 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 and Jake gave approval to him doing that as part of us, part of the ongoing show, then okay. But you know, to, yeah, it's like, okay, if I saw my wife's face on somebody's tights, I'd knock him out.
0: Yep. Well, it certainly made the rivalry real and added a cool element to it. But, yeah, its uh, I don't blame Jake for maybe not necessarily liking the whole thing. Yeah. Something I liked, and I know a lot of fans liked at the time, was Kurt Hennig. He made his debut with the WWF, and we all know how much success he was going on to have in his career. Uh, I was wondering, was this the
2: first time that you ever met Kurt? No, the first time I met Kurt was on a trip to Japan. Oh, yeah, and and uh, you know, I and then I and of course, you know, I knew all about. I mean, and again, you know, something common for us is, you know, like uh, like me, he was the son of a, of a wrestler. He was a Henny, mm-hmm. and, uh, and 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 I tell you what, that the gimmick, Mr. Perfect. I mean, it not only suited him, but I mean, what's really remarkable is he could do all that shit. Yeah. I mean, he was, he was really good at a lot of things. <laughs> he was a real good guy. And, and he was, he was a real good worker too. And it's just, I just sad that that he went so soon.
0: Very young man. Whenever he passed away, which is just really unfortunate. Um, now you had mentioned his father, Larry, the ax Hennig. Did you ever spend much time
2: around him? Uh, no, I didn't. Um, but I mean, I always knew who his dad was because his dad and my father, I'm sure wrestled each other. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, uh, my dad was from Nebraska and, uh, Larry Henning was from Minnesota and one of the guys, the guy, the, the owner of the, what would be called the Minnesota territory was Vern Gagne. Now Vern, Vern Gagne, you know, was the AWA world champion and he, he always, he always, he'd always get on TV and, and, and promote his uh, vitamin pills uh, oh gosh. Anyway, and, and, and again, yeah. Vern Gagne and my father also wrestled each other in college, my dad in Nebraska and, and Vern in Minnesota. And so, uh, but no, uh, Larry, the ax was a great guy to my knowledge. And, and I know, I know my dad, uh, I probably either worked with him or or was a partner with him because I don't I don't know I don't know if he was always a a heel.
0: Uh, I think that I think that Larry was a heel for big portions of his career. And yeah, I've, I've heard nothing but but good things about the guy. Certainly a, a huge guy and a great look and yeah. a hell of a legacy in the business. Uh, Jim Duggan said recently that he viewed Kurt as a guy who had the right look and skills to be the WWF champion. Did you see that same potential in Kurt Hennig?
2: Oh yeah. Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, it's like I said, Mr. Perfect. I mean, he could do a lot of that stuff, but he was, he was, yeah, and he was very good in the ring. Uh, and, and again, here's another kid who grew up in the business, Watching his dad week after week and like me and like a lot of other kids who had a a father in the business wanted to get in the business and uh, not all all of them have been successful, but I mean, most of them have. Mm hmm. So well,
0: I'll, also at this time, Ted, steroids are a big subject in the Observer, and Jesse Ventura would come out publicly and condemn the use of steroids. Uh, Ted, I know you were never a big substance user during your time in the business. Uh, did you ever try steroids? When
2: I was in uh, in mid south, um, I mean, I was I was very cautious because you know, especially when you're starting to you know, stick, stick things in your body and, and you know, how it's going to, how, how, how your body's going to react to it and all that. Mm -hmm. I was fairly cautious, but yeah, a little bit, but, um, again, um, and I say a little bit is because it just helped. It just helped enhance, you know, my look, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't, again, a lot of guys, I mean, (laughs) uh what who am i thinking of the uh the warrior yep oh my gosh i mean it was obvious with him oh yeah and 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 and, and of course that's all he had was a body and i don't know how much um his steroid use had to do with his death Oh, gosh. You know, you take all that time
0: to pack all this muscle. And by the way, he had a pretty small frame. Like he was a big dude. He was very muscular, but a small frame that he packed a ton of muscle onto. And man, that puts a lot of strain on your heart. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Ted, I'm curious, though, uh, you know, you're in the WWF now. It's the biggest show in professional wrestling. And you're surrounded by a lot of guys who certainly look like they're using steroids, a lot of guys that are really, really big. Uh, Did you ever consider doing steroids while you were in the WWF?
2: Um, You know, at the beginning, you know, I mean, I can remember uh, the one thing. (laughs) The one thing Vince said to me was, he says, and Teddy says, "I, I, I want to see a, a little more visible in the gym," <laughs> and, and I got the message. And so, um, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I may have at the beginning uh, take, taken some, what, what like testosterone, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I only, I only took it, you know, like as a, a to kickstart what I was doing. And but I did not continue to take it. Okay. And I mean for that, and just personally, I was just I was afraid. You know, I was afraid to do that. I I don't know. It's kind of like uh, you know I, uh, you know how you know you can overdo anything, and and you know and like you just said it. I, you know that may have contributed to the warrior's death. I don't know. Yep.
0: You, you never do know. And, uh, I mean, I think Ted that you're kind of a testament to the idea that maybe steroids aren't really necessary. You know, you were, uh, you always look like an athlete, but you were never a body guy as they yeah. say, yeah. And, and still you had incredible success. So, I mean, these guys are spending all kinds of money on steroids and trying to enhance their look. And it's like, Hey, look, if you're just a great wrestler and a great promo and a hard worker,
2: maybe you don't need to look like, oh, you know, muscle you. and again, if, uh, and I would say to this to all the fans who are are, are are tuning in, go look at amateur wrestlers who are really wrestling. Uh, high school and collegiate wrestlers. All of those guys are in pretty good shape. And you, you might here and there come, come across one who's just, you know, uh, you know, like that looks like he just walked out of goals. Gym. But most of them, they're, they're in great shape and they have, and they have muscle, but they're not, you know, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. They, yeah. They're not like muscle heads. They don't look like, you know, uh, uh, was that Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> Arnold doesn't look like Arnold anymore.
0: No, he does not. Uh, yeah. He's so, getting up there in age, but no, yeah. you're right. Most most skilled wrestlers look a little bit more like a Jim Duggan, where it's like you know yeah. they certainly yeah. has muscle, certainly in a, a big strapping imposing guy, but you know it's not like yeah. he's carved out of stone. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, Ted, JYD is set to leave the WWF at this time and go try his hand in Japan and return to Calgary. We did a full episode about dog a few months ago, which I recommend everybody go and check out. But for right now, I'd like to know your opinion on why JYD just couldn't recapture the Mid South magic while he
2: was in the WWF. I, well, I don't know. I mean, I I don't know that, um, well, I mean, I don't know that, you know, Bill Watts pushed, you know, jyd mm-hmm. I mean, he you know he threw him out there and, and 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 made him a star i don't know if vince ever tried to do that with with you know it's kind of like it, it it's all how it, you're you're you get over based on how how much you're pushed as well yep and you know uh i don't know if jye ever had the uh You know, because I mean, he was there before I got there. And about the time I got there, he was leaving.
0: Yes. And uh, he's he's leaving right here in 88. So you got maybe like roughly a year in the same company with him. And look, it's you know, he came in in 85 Hulk Hulkamania had started. So there's there's zero chance that he's gonna get treated the same way as he was in mid south where he's pushed yeah. as being the top guy and I, I think you're right you know it's look he was not the dog of old he wasn't in the same shape that he used to be maybe some substance abuse issues at this time however yeah. you know it's like he still had it he was still a draw yeah the the abuse of whatever I think's so what got him. It's a shame. And you guys can hear that full story again on that episode that we did uh, much earlier in our podcast. So please go back into the archives and find it. Uh, Well, Ted, you're gearing up for the Survivor Series and your teammates are set. Let's check out our first clip this week to see who you're going to be working with.
1: Survivor Series. Debiase has supplied me with handcuffs for everybody. A little surprise for you boys. (laughs) But I brought an extra special pair, a little stronger, a little bigger. I'm going to finish the job I started on Brother Love. And don't think I ain't. I've got a team to count on. You don't, boy. When I was beating you like a dog, did anybody run out to save you? I don't think so. He ain't got nobody to count on Survivor Series. You watch out, boy. We're coming for you. That's right, Hogan. You look like a great bitty punching bag when the big man here was patterned on (laughs) you. A little bigger, a little bigger. And you know what? Thanksgiving Day is the day when everybody across the country gives thanks. Gives thanks for their meager earnings and their meager morsels of food. But not the million dollar man. I don't have to thank anybody for anything. Jack... Because I have got it all. And right here, I've got the team that's got it all. And the turkey dinner we're going to have is the five big turkeys we got across the yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah, Logan, yeah. Hogan, Savage, Hercules, my personal slave. And I tell you what, you're going to have to be thankful for, Hercules. You're going to be thankful for the fact that you're finally going to realize who your Lord and Master is, and you're looking at him right here. Coco Birdman, you better leave the bird in the dressing room, or we're going to stuff him too. And Hillbilly Jim, I don't even know if he can find the ring. But I'll tell you what it's all about, it's this right here, it's money, it's survival oh, yes. of the richest, oh, and we are the richest, I'm you giving up. Oh, oh, we're going to have it all Jack. when it's all said and done, when the smoke's clear and the dust settles, you're looking at the team right here that's going to win the big Thanksgiving Day feast. I keep telling brother, let me tell, tell you, you folks one thing, you are looking at survivors. Yeah. <laughs> Boy, we're going to be there to take you apart. You and your team haven't got a chance. Survive. 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 No doubt. Survive. Survive. We'll be there for you. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that,
0: Man. That, that was chaos.
2: Oh, my gosh. That was. <laughs> oh, gosh. You know, and uh, and I, I forgot that Terry Taylor was in there with us. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I, I just, I just have to say this, you know, Terry Taylor is a great guy. I mean, you know, even now he is one of the guys, he's one of the trainers down at the, the, uh, you know, the, facility in, in Orlando for the guys in, in training, mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, because he knows the wrestling business, but he's one guy that had a lot of talent that never got a push. I just, you know, I I don't, I don't understand that. Uh, he just never, you know, I just kind of feel, you know, he's a good friend of mine. So I kind of felt sorry for him because, uh, I just felt like, you know, here's a guy that's, that's got it. I mean, he could have been a, a great baby face. I, I, still, I don't know. I don't know. You know,
0: we we mentioned Terry Taylor at the end of the show last week a little bit, and uh, we've discussed the Red Rooster gimmick in the past, but I, I wanted to get your take on this, because I recently spoke to Jim Duggan on ad-free shows for our exclusive show over there. It's called The Hacksaw Hour. Yeah. And he, he mentioned that he felt that Terry didn't really throw himself into the gimmick, which is why it didn't work out. Uh, and a good example of somebody who did throw themselves into the gimmick was right there behind you, that was Akeem. The one-man yeah. gang was turned to Akeem, which on paper sounds like really shitty creative. However, he threw himself into it, and he made something of it. And that's that's kind of what Jim was saying. I don't know. Do you feel that Terry was kind of phoning it in because of the sort of crappy gimmick he was stuck with?
2: You know, it it may be. It, you know, it, it could have been. But um, I don't know. You know, I don't know what else he could have done. Um, I don't know. You know, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. And I've never, I've never really thought about it that way, but yeah, I mean, whatever you do, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like if you just like, if you feel like you're, you've given, given a, um, I like a, whatever, a silly. You know, gimmick or whatever. I mean, you know, I mean, even when I when I heard that the Red Rooster, I mean, are you kidding? Yeah, me?
0: That's pretty tough. You gonna you're gonna walk, you
2: know go around and. <laughs> 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 like, uh, I, I felt sorry for Terry, but you know the flip side of that is okay. You're gonna give me this. Watch what I do with it. Yep. And maybe that should have been the, the, the attitude he took. So,
0: I don't know. I mean, I'm with you. Terry seems like the perfect wrestler based on his look and his ring work. Uh, what do you think was missing from him that kept him from being a bigger star? Was it the
2: promo? Um, it could have been. I mean, it could have, could have been his, like, delivery, you know. It's kind of like, you know, when I uh, when I became the Million Dollar Man, I mean, obviously... Um, when the suit come off, I got in the ring and I wrestled like I always did. But with the suit on and in front of the camera, I had to be that guy, you know, all about the money. And, uh, and I got that. So yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe he just didn't throw himself into it enough.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, it's. I had never really thought of that either until Jim brought it up, but he was saying, like, ah, you know, he should have just cut his hair into a mohawk and dyed that red. And, you know, like, it just really got into it. Uh, he was like, I think that, you know, if, if he would have, it probably would have gotten over because if you show that you're excited about something, then the fans can be excited about it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, ah, you know, pretty good point. Uh, another guy that's there is, of course, the big boss man. Uh, seems like a guy is pretty much universally liked by all, all the wrestlers that I've talked to about him. Yeah, and he's paired at this time with Hakeem as the Twin Towers. Uh, Ted, you've been around a lot of big guys who could move, and Boss Man is another one. He was he was great in the ring. What did you think of him though, and his ring work, his character, and him? And oh, I loved
2: the guy. I loved him. I mean, you know, he, you know, uh, and and again, for a guy that's big as he was, I mean, he he moved dang pretty dang good, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean that's just it well yeah, that that interview right there you know I, I went i hadn't seen that in so long and i had forgotten it but oh my gosh you know he could you know he, he could give it he could bring it so and and some guys can and some it's come, some guys don't you know so he was committed to that character that's for
0: sure yeah. i mean he yeah. was he was in and uh it sold it well it's i i love watching this stuff
2: Yeah, I did too. Uh,
0: Another guy that's on your team there is Haku. And at this time, it's in the Observer that he's involved in a $1.1 million lawsuit stemming from a street fight where he bit a guy's nose off. Uh, So, Ted, we talked about you. uh, You know, I asked you on Ask Ted Anything if you'd ever do a barbed wire match under any circumstances. Would you rather do a barbed wire death match or
2: uh, have a shoot fight with Haku? (laughs) I would rather have a barbed wire street fight than ever get in anything with Haku. Now, I want to tell you something. I love this guy. When he first came to the United States, uh, his real name is Tonga Fafita. Mm-hmm. And he's from the island of Tonga. His father was the king of Tonga. And he went from tonga i mean yeah from that island to to japan and japan all japan pro wrestling then sent him over you know to the funks and to the funk territory amarillo and i was there at the time and i you know i just took him under wing i said look you know until you get on your feet you ride with me free you yeah you know and I, I and i would book rooms with two beds and I said, you can bunk with me and, and, you know, because he didn't, what happened was, uh, they said, I guess Baba gave him like a thousand dollars to get him started and somewhere between uh, Tokyo and and him getting to the United States, he either lost the money or it was stolen. Oh no. Yeah. And so he shows up with nothing. Uh, but I'm going to tell you what he, he couldn't, you could not, find a, a nicer guy. Thank God. Because <laughs> when people ask me, okay, if wrestling's showbiz, who is legitimately a badass? I said, you don't ever want to cross Tonga Fafita. Because that boy could be alone when he wants to be. And, yeah, you know, it's just Oh my gosh, he was unbelievable. So there yeah. it
0: is. Ask that dude who got his nose bitten off if he'd like oh, to mess with yeah. him again. <laughs> probably not.
2: Yeah, no kidding.
0: Um, Haku is another guy to me, kinda like Terry Taylor, in that he's got this really cool look and solid ring work, but never was able to sustain a main event run. Uh do you think his a his big Achilles heel was his promo ability or or what do you think kept him from, you know, ascending even higher? I think
2: you know, yeah, probably not you know, not being able to bring it on the microphone, you know, but a lot of times, you know, um, again, one, one, once I stopped wrestling, uh, they made, they made me a manager. And so I wasn't wrestling anymore, but you know, I would, I would, I would, I would be the, I would be the mouthpiece for whoever it was that I was, you know, uh, not everybody, but I'm just saying in in general, usually, if a guy is really good in the ring and he doesn't have the mic skills, then they they put a manager with him. Mm-hmm. and you uh, know, and the manager cuts basically the promo, and of course, he adds a little bit, but that's that's the way it goes.
0: Yeah, and Haku here was King Haku, and he had arguably the greatest manager of all time with Bobby Heenan. Uh yeah. and yeah, I don't know. It's I always I always saw more in him. I, I wish that he would have had a longer main event run because man, you getting to watch a, a legit guy like that square off with Hogan and Savage and long-term programs, like man, it could have been a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, well, let's get to the pay-per-view. It took place in the Richfield Coliseum in front of more than thirteen thousand fans, and you're in the main event with your team facing Hulk Savage, Hercules, Coco Beware, and Hillbilly Jim. Ted, I sincerely doubt if we're going to bring up Hillbilly Jim very often on the show. Uh,
2: you get to spend much time around him? Uh, not really. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, like I, I you know, I'll be honest with you, I never. I never got to really know him personally. I mean, I, I I don't can't I can't remember us ever making any trips together or you know just we never had a lot of one on one time. You know, I knew I knew him in the dressing room and, and in the ring, basically. But he seemed to be a fairly likable guy.
0: Yeah, I've I've certainly heard, heard good things about him over the years. I know yeah. that he was in the Legends House uh, back in the day on WWE Network with Jim Duggan and. And uh, Jimmy Hart and you know Tony Atlas. Did you ever watch that show, Legends House, on WWE Network? I can't remember. It's it was, <laughs> it was in like 2012, and all they just put all of these wrestling legends into a house together, and they all lived together for a while. And
2: oh, okay, yeah, yeah, I remember that, and I'm glad I wasn't one of them. <laughs> <laughs> <It's>... I'm glad <laughs> I'm glad they didn't <laughs> sign me up for that.
0: <laughs> yeah it seems like a, and we got to see it actually it seems like it would be easy for guys to rub each other the wrong oh, way oh
2: gosh yeah yeah or you know uh you that's you wouldn't want to put Kurt henning in there because oh Kurt God, henning yeah. was the river oh he he'd, he'd have been ribbing everybody <laughs> he'd be dri- he'd be driving people crazy <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's uh, I know that Jim and and Tony Atlas had a pretty public issue uh, while they were living there together where it seemed like I I actually talked to Jim about it not too long ago. And he was like, that's the last time I came very, very close to coming to blows with somebody was uh, between him and Tony Atlas because of having to deal with each other in in the legends house. But they're good now. They're on good terms. But it's uh, man, you put a bunch of big personalities like that in a bit in one house. It could could spell some issues. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> well, Ted, when it came to the match itself here, you'd start things off really briefly against Savage before heading back to the apron. Your biggest piece of action happens midway through. Let's drop in on the match and uh, see your part in things. It's
3: ready to confess to anything right now. Tag made of the Million Dollar Man Ted DiBiase. Holster trying to figure out where his corner is. As DiBiase sends him in for the line. Nice close line. He's showing me here some excellence of execution. The holster right through his feet. Says, you're not going to do that to me. Spins around. Tomek drop. oh He gives him the Hercules. Oh!
1: to his master. Can you imagine, Gorilla?
3: Burke unloading with left and right to the big backdrop. This is what they wanted to see. Burke's nomad slave. Beautiful nailing. Burke having fun in there right now. Oh, got tripped from the outside. Virgil. back on the action, scoop from he behind, got he's out of there. What a of mistake by Hercules. And there's a
1: major problem now, Gorilla, it's four against two. The Mega Power Stand Alone.
2: <laughs> Pretty short night for you there, Ted Oh gosh, he snuck right up on me <laughs> <laughs>
0: We were also treated to a nice view of your rear end there when. Uh, yeah, 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 he, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah So, uh, watching this back, uh, you know, it makes me wonder Jake has told me before that he hates tag team matches Because it, it just puts too many cooks in the kitchen And can kind of muddle the direction of a match uh, I would guess that when you have ten men involved in a tag team match, it can turn into an absolute mess. Uh, what, what were your experiences like in the Survivor Series? Yeah,
2: well, um, I, I, again, I kind of, I'm kind of like Jake. Where I mean, uh, I've been in tag matches, and you know, I mean, I, me and you know, uh, Mike Rotunda, IRS. You know, we had a uh, we had a great run together. Yes. As 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 a tag team, uh, but you know, I. I just, pref- you know, I, I always liked it better when I was on my own. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but I, I, you know, again, I, you know, we had a great run as a tag team. I mean, uh, won the the belts a couple of times, and I can't remember who we finally dropped them to, but, um, yeah, it was, I don't know. I, uh, I don't dislike, Tag teams. I mean I had I had plenty of fun uh, with 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 a tag team. Um, I'm trying to think before. Oh gosh, yeah. First I mean you were in you were in
0: tons of tag teams with like Steve Williams and uh and of course Stan Hansen in Japan. So a lot of tag team experience yeah, yeah, with you over the years. Yeah. I'm wondering, though, you know, here it's you're working with five guys instead of just one other guy. And actually, technically, you're really working with 10 guys because there's the other team that you've got to consider on the other side. Yeah. Uh, The Survivor Series
2: format. What did you think of it? Well, you know, it was it's okay. I mean, it's you know, it's, it's different. You know, and that's what you want. You know, you got to give the you know can't keep keep giving the people the same old thing, and so it's just another avenue. But and yet you like some things, and some things you don't. And it's it's always you know you always got to be like in a in a the thing there where you're going to have five guys on a team. You got to you got to work you got to work some of this out now, not not the whole match, but just the like key key hotspots where okay i'm going to end up in the ring with you and and we're going to do this and then that's 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 our our contribution to the match and you might have more than one contribution to the match
0: we're near the finish line here on the podcast and uh the finish of the match is a continuation of the story of kind of the growing animosity between hogan and savage that we started to tell at survivor series um so liz unlocks hogan who is handcuffed to the ropes hogan tags in without savage being aware of it wins the match then hoists liz up to celebrate and an angry savage is kind of looking on in the background uh almost feels like it could have been the start of a heel turn for hogan here if that's the direction the company wanted to move in you know because It was even speculated on in the dirt sheets at the time that it was going to be either Hogan or Savage who would go on to WrestleMania as a heel. Now, normally heel turns are extremely common in wrestling, but Hogan was certainly the exception to that rule. Uh, Do you think that he could have worked out as a heel at this time?
2: Uh, Well, you know, I I think he could have. I do. I mean, uh, he had the talent to do it, and eventually, you you know, the NWO, you know, he, he, was a heel, mm-hmm. uh, but, uh, um, I mean, uh, again, I think the reason that Vince did that, I mean, again, this is, this is your, this is your, this is your guy. I mean, it's like you're one great, big shining star. And, and, uh, and again, uh, Vince was all about merchandise, mm. and, you know, it's like, you, you don't want to make your biggest star a heel. Uh, because that's gonna hurt, that's gonna hurt the merch.
0: <laughs> it's kind of like strangling the golden
2: goose. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yep. So maybe not not the best idea for business. Uh, yes. And yeah, he was certainly a big draw with merchandise. You know, Ted. Uh, one of the wrestlers recently recently told me that the sale of their LJNs actually got them their first ever Cadillac. Uh, did you do you recall uh, making a big
2: expenditure when you would get that merch money in? uh look, i don't know i don't know that LG the, lg the LGNs ever brought that much i'll be honest with you the thing that the thing in terms of, of merch that from my account it wasn't it wasn't the uh the video games i'm not it wasn't the it wasn't the action figures it was the video games okay i mean you know, it's like i mean you know and i you know and i i, I don't know i, I you know I'd, I'd have to go back and i i just can't remember now but i think if i if i made that much money uh on uh merch enough to go buy a cadillac i, I think i'd remember it
0: <laughs> well i i think it's important for context too you were a heel at the time yeah so uh i don't think a lot of kids are clamoring to go out and buy a heel action figure they were probably looking to buy more of like jim duggan or jake or or uh hulk of course
2: yeah that's that's true too but at at the same time if you're if you're gonna buy an action figure and you got a good guy you gotta have somebody to beat up you make a really good point Well, Ted, that's
0: going to do it for this week. Another fun look back 35 years to 1988. Next week, there's uh, some more fun in store, man, because we're doing another fan favorite edition of Ask Ted Anything. So, folks, get your questions in for Ted now on his social media or at the podcast social media, which is Ted Dibiase Pod on all social platforms. Before we go, you guys know my my gimmick by now. I've got to remind you that if you'd like to get this podcast on video with no commercials and get access to a ton of sports, entertainment, and other shows, you've got to get over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com and sign up for Premier Plus. If you're a wrestling fan or a fan of sports, you've just got to go over there and have a look. Do yourself a favor. It doesn't cost you anything to look. Just go over to PremierStreamingNetwork.com right now. You can see all the stuff that they offer. I think you're going to see that it's a really great bargain to sign up for Premier+. Plus. Uh, if you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, please take a moment, just like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review because that helps out Ted and I a bunch. You can follow Ted at MDM Ted DiBiase on all of his social media. Follow me at Marcus P D'Angelo on X, and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. Ted, I love looking back to 1988; such a cool time in your career. And man, it's always a pleasure to
2: just get to pick your brain once a week. That's great, and I would say to the fans, as I always do, don't ever forget
1: that everybody's got a price for the Million
2: Dollar Man. <laughs>
0: See you guys next time right here on Everybody's Got a Pod.